This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. Well, let's talk about business because business in a pandemic has been no laughing matter. We have seen businesses have to say, I can't do it anymore. And that is one of the most tragic things that you can have happen, to work and to work and to work and then have something like this that is completely out of your control come in and take all of that work away, take all of those plans away, take all of that investment away. It is heart-wrenching, and it's been happening. Now, at the same time, some businesses have been able to say, okay, this is our situation, so we can't really be face-to-face with customers. We can't really touch the things that they have. We, You know, this is changing everything that we are doing. Well, we want to focus in on a London business right now that has been able to look at the situation of, yeah, you, you can't really be face-to-face with customers. At times, you can't have them coming into your place of business. They can't come in. That That's part of a thing. So what have they done? Well, They've taken the lemons, and uh, they've made a really, really good drink. I, lemonade's okay. I'm thinking this might be a little bit more flavorful than lemonade. No sour aftertaste whatsoever. Joining us right now is Chad Boutros from Cellular Magician. Chad, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for calling me. Chad, let's talk about what you have been able to do, because you were faced with that. At times, depending on the restrictions, you have not been able to have people come into the store. They still have things that they need fixed, like a phone or like a tablet or whatever it is. So how do you kind of bridge the gap between the wall that is the front of Cellular Magician and the customers that you need to assist on the other side? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. Um, Actually, I do need to just correct one thing. Uh, we, ha- we are an essential business, so we have been able to uh, serve people one at a time in all our stores. But what we found was that the people that are compromised or most at risk, they needed a, a better solution. They, they needed to feel safe, and they still needed uh, uh, a safe way to have their devices repaired. So uh, we built what we call, uh, I guess, the Magic Mobile. And uh, it's a state-of-the-art van, which is a portable cellular magician. Okay, so the Magic Mobile is obviously (laughs) mobile. It can go around anywhere. So what have you been able to do with the Magic Mobile? (laughs) Okay, well, it's it's basically uh, a fully loaded uh, new uh, Sprinter where you could stand inside. And we put a workstation in it. We put a computer. We gave it its own cell phone, internet access, uh, heat plates, all the tools and all the parts that we need to comfortably and uh, safely repair any device. So let's envision this then. The Magic Mobile leaves where it is at Cellular Magician. It drives somewhere where someone may not be able to get out at all or doesn't feel comfortable leaving. And then when it arrives, it's ramped up and amped up and ready to fix. So how do you get the things that you might need to fix? Okay, well, that's a good question. So we made it really easy. Uh, So what you have, all you have to do is you could call in and book an appointment online, or you could just go to our website at CellularMagician.ca, 
and you click on book now, you select your device, you select what's wrong with it, you give us your address, and instantly it gives you a quote of exactly what it's going to cost to fix, how long it's going to take to fix, and it lets you know whether we have the product in stock. So you get all your answers right away, and the booking is seamlessly uh, uh, completed. Chad Boutros joining us from Cellular Magician. So the booking's completed, and then the Magic Mobile shows up at somebody's address, basically? Yeah, we actually had, uh, we're actually launching the van on uh, Monday morning. That's going to be when we officially launch it. Uh, we've already had someone book uh, from the hospital, from Victoria Hospital, and uh, we've made arrangements. So we're just going to drive to the location. Uh, the gentleman will give us his device, and then our technician will get to work inside the van. Uh, it's probably going to take 30 minutes for him to complete the repair. And then he'll give uh, the phone back uh, to uh, the customer at the hospital. And it will be fixed and ready to go. This this is great. I mean, you think about all the things you've had to deal with. And, Chad, you mentioned even being an essential business, it changes the way that you do business. How difficult was it, and I'm going to use the word that we hear so often in business, how difficult was it to make this pivot Oh, it was, it, was, it was very difficult. It was really hard, especially the, the first shutdown because we didn't know what we were dealing with. And we boarded up all our stores and uh, we, we had to make all sorts of changes to make sure that our staff and the customers were safe. And um, uh, that's why we decided to, to really build the van and make it easier for customers. And that actually, uh, the programming of the service uh, took us about uh, – four months to build and the van took about three months and at the same time there are things that have come up that businesses have been able to do that they now look at and say yeah that worked during the pandemic but what do you think chad is this something that will continue on after hopefully we're living far more normal lives well i think there's no question about it i've got a friend who's a barber and i've been trying to convince him to build a, a mobile barber van and uh, I, I don't know why, but he hasn't been listening to me. I believe this, without question, on-demand services are, are now the future, regardless of, you know, uh, how effective the virus is and how everything moves forward. People don't want to leave their homes anymore. They want, they want their food delivered. They, they, they want the convenience of having every service brought to them. I bet you in the future you'll, you'll, you'll just have someone bring you a wedding ring or something. You know, it's, people don't <laughs> want to leave their home. A cube van pulls up. Your bride is already inside, <laughs> so you can't see the bride. Next thing you know, you're, you're given the ring. Music plays. <laughs> I think you can go way beyond just the barber. I, yeah, we've, we've got something here. Chad Boutros joining us from Cellular Magician as we talk about the magic mobile that can travel around and the ability to do that, the ability to make that on demand, to provide that convenience and how much that has meant to us. So, Chad, you mentioned this kicks off on Monday? Yeah, on Monday. Uh, you can make a, a booking ahead of time right now by just going online. But, yeah, as of Monday, 9 a.m., we're starting uh, the service. So anyone could book right now to have us go to their home or go to their business and fix their device um, on the spot. 
Hey. Well, you know what? There have been so many different stories and people trying to overcome what has been going on. So cellularmagician.ca backslash London will get you there. Is there anywhere else we should go as well? Uh, no, uh, Cellular Magician uh, website is your best. Uh, I would say it's your single point of accountability for all cell phone related uh, questions or needs. Yeah. Overall, Chad, how tough has the last year been? Oh, God, it's it's really been tough. I mean, for see, I, I own Dreamland VR, too, and that was shut down. So I've seen the effects uh, on different businesses. For Cellular Magician, our business has increased because everyone's at home, everyone's on Zoom, everyone, uh, they need their computers working. Like, we, we fix computers and laptops now because we've had to meet the demand. But Dreamland, you know, we, our doors were shut down. We're operating in red. We can only have a few customers at a time. It's been really, really tough on the restaurant and the entertainment industry. Well, hey, you have found ways to maybe take us into the future where, you know, you've set the roadmap and uh, barbers and weddings still to come. But right now, fixing your phones and other devices, that can come right to your door. Chad, thanks so much for describing this for us. Keep up the great ideas and keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for calling. Keep safe. You too. Bye-bye. That is Chad Boutros from Cellular Magician. What do you think? How many things would you want to have that happen with? I mean, food delivery. Look at how that has skyrocketed during the pandemic. Now the idea that you can have someone come and fix your phone or devices. There are places that will go and and cut your hair, but how about doing it in the back of a vehicle where you just come out, yeah, zip, 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 there you go. Yeah, I mean, there isn't a great reason to leave home if you look at all the things that have been made available. Grocery shopping, grocery delivery, you kind of do the old pickup, curbside pickup. Will that kind of stuff stay after the pandemic? Be interesting to see. It really will. How much is this changing? And the concern you have to get into is, okay, If things change a lot, yes, delivery services pick up. What about the employees that are normally inside a store? Do we see the number of employees change? How is that impacted? And that's going to be something that plays out for years, but was kick-started by everything we've been going through now. And we're very pleased to welcome to London Live, London Mayor Ed Holder. Mayor Holder, how's Friday going for you? Mike, it's a good Friday. Uh, good numbers in the city, and at this point, uh, we're hopeful that uh, people have a great and a safe weekend. Yeah, let's let's hope so. Have we heard anything about the color-coded restrictions that we're waiting on? Have you heard anything? Uh, not as yet. Uh, we've uh, we expect that we will know those uh, that information now in an hour, hour and a half. But I would tell you, know you the... that that based on the the uh, the great results we've had in London. I'm, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and uh, speculate and suggest very strongly we're going to advance at least one color. I don't think that's going out on much of a limb, to be honest, because Londoners have really stood tall on this. 
Well, I guess we do have to remember the virus hasn't changed, and at least it relaxes some things for businesses. But for the rest of us, uh, let's hope we we keep uh, being safe and keep doing the things that we're supposed to do. Do we know the kind of the chain of why this takes so long on a Friday afternoon? Have, have you been privy to that? Well, look, it's it, it, it's really done uh, at the medical uh, medical officers of health level initially. So our own medical officer and and. Uh, the other 33 healthcare units in the province will connect with the Ontario Medical Officer of Health. From there, uh, they will then advise the premier of each region in terms of its status and circumstance, looking back to the week or 10 days. So there's a lot of information to analyze because not only do they take the information, say, as from a week ago, but then they look at uh, the, the several days since that time to see if there are any adjustments or trends. So they might want to go down or up in a certain area, but all of a sudden the trend uh, the, 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 a number of days before compels them to uh, go a little more conservatively, or and that's usually the way it goes. It doesn't normally go the other way. In fact, there's only been, I think since we've had this color-coded uh, system, I think there's only been one, uh, one uh, city where the uh, color code has actually gone down. So we're in a circumstance here where we're in red, as you know, but uh, for this even to go to orange, which, again, I'm speculating is where it's going to end up, uh, is, uh, I mean, that's tremendous news. And and look, and I think uh, Londoners deserve it. They were in the right. And so why it takes this long, I just think it's the process that it takes. This is a little longer today than than it was... um, uh, say last week, but I do know that I was part of a broader uh, press conference uh, late this morning with the premier, with the uh, the, uh, the health minister, the minister responsible for municipal affairs and housing, and Rick Hillier, who's responsible for the logistics of the vaccine, and uh, Sylvia Jones, our attorney general. So they had all hands on deck. I suspect, since that was going at least an hour, hour and a half, that that might have been the, the longer delay today. Right. We're talking with London Mayor Ed Holder. Well, Mayor Holder, thank you for that information. Let's talk about that particular conference that you were a part of. What can you tell us as far as information that has come out of that meeting? Well, I think one piece of great news that uh, that Londoners uh, should be aware of is that AstraZeneca has been approved. So that's officially the third uh, vaccine uh, brand name that has uh, that has. Uh, been approved uh, in Canada. The federal government approved it. The province announced it. Uh, and and that makes us, uh, I'll say, more optimistic about uh, the number of, uh, of vaccines that we can distribute. I mean, look, London has been ready, ready, and ready. And the only thing missing in all of this is not the willingness of people to put uh, uh, to take the vaccine. What's been missing has been the uh, the extra and large supply. We can do thousands a day, but we need the vaccine. What we hope this will mean, uh, particularly as this uh, uh, this gets distributed across the province, this uh, third supplier of the vaccine, is that it will uh, it will really ramp up uh, our our timing of getting shots in arms. So one of the, that was the first big news. The second, I, I think, is that uh, uh, during the week of March 15th, the goal is for uh, those who are age 80 and older, everyone. So basically, if you had a, a birth year of 1941. And uh, so, Mike, that doesn't include you or me. Uh, but if it uh, if it did, you'd be qualifying uh, to get uh, you'd be, to to get the vaccine as from March the fifteenth. And then, and and there will be some just based on supply and circumstance that will be able to get it before then. But I think with confidence, 
the federal government has said that uh, in mid-March that week, they will uh, start that distribution as well. Uh, a question I asked the Premier related to uh, issues around uh, our uh, our first responders and when they when we expect they will have their um, uh, their vaccines and he made a, a commitment that they would be in phase one or priority one so basically now as the vaccines become available so they're finishing up uh, longer uh, not long-term care that is done but the seniors residences then they'll go to the 80 plus and at the same time concurrently they will be dealing with priority one cases which is our first response team so i was really pleased on behalf of a lot of first responders and frontline healthcare workers that that's the case so basically what they said was anyone who had constant and regular interaction with uh, with uh, uh, pay patients or individuals, they would be the priority, and I think that makes sense. We're talking with London Mayor Ed Holder. Mayor Holder, did they go into specifics at all as to how that would continue after? Because there's been some suggestion that maybe we do look at those who are in direct contact with others, whether they be grocery store workers or restaurant workers, as opposed to age range. Was that discussed at all? Uh, that wasn't touched on in the call, but what's interesting, though, is that uh, that's uh, obviously two different ways to handle it. One is to try to determine which individuals are in an industry that is more public-facing, and the other, and the, probably the simpler way, but maybe not the most uh, effective way, is to do it by age bandings. So age 80 and older, as from March 15th, a week or two weeks later, depending those who are 75 and then who are those who are 70. I think that, I think part of the logic, if you imagine this, though, is that the uh, in addition to those who uh, have underlying conditions that have been a high risk uh, concern, the other is the older you are, and certainly with uh, with uh, underlying uh, health concerns, uh, the, people are dying. But we haven't had, you know, in a couple of weeks, someone who's died, and I think that's very promising. It's very good. But I think it's a function of the vaccines and the priority that the uh, Middle Six One Healthcare uh, Public Health Health Unit has taken with regard to distribution. Uh, the, the key, no matter what, is to as quickly as possible get every Londoner and everybody in Middlesex County vaccinated. That's absolutely the priority. Um, so, uh, so I, I, I'd say that there is some logic for some of the older folks. Well, and and by the way, is it possible that they might do that for a period where they say, okay, over eighty? Uh, you're March 15th on, uh, 75, and maybe even 70, and then they revert possibly to um, to those who are more public-facing workers. Um, it's a it's a thoughtful question, um, uh, and and I'm I'm not sure there's an absolute clear answer quite yet. But I do know the age banding has absolutely been discussed, and it's got merits, but it's not perfect either. Well. Mayor Holder, we really appreciate you keeping us up to date on all of this. I'm sure we'll hear from you next week as part of the briefings, and hopefully you get a little time to enjoy some sunshine as uh, it dots at least the first part of our weekend. Well, sure, and let me wish our listeners the same and also good and healthy weekend, and I'd like to uh, congratulate uh, our community uh, for standing tall through this. I mean, it's uh, if, if, if as and when we move to a different ca- color category, uh, and I do believe, just for the record, that yellow is probably just too a little too ambitious for the uh, for the uh, for the government to consider. But having said it, if we move to orange, that's pretty that's pretty darn good. And again, that's I think a tribute to Londoners and how they've handled themselves. I'm grateful for that, and I ask them to keep going. Mayor Holder, all the best. Mike, thanks. Appreciate it. That is London Mayor Ed Holder.
Many of us have had a lot of time over the last year to sit and think. Sit and think. There's been a lot of unaccounted for time. I don't think we should call it free time, but unaccounted for, where maybe normally you'd be going and visiting somebody, hanging out with somebody, going to a restaurant, going to a concert, a game. We're not doing that. So we've been sitting and thinking. And when you do that, well, your mind can go in any number of places. Our good friend Taz had a line once when talking about MedPoint that has stuck with me for a long time. And I don't know how much this applies to you, but the line is, you're only a hypochondriac until you're right. And when you sit and think, sometimes you can come up with, oh, well, you know, what's what's going on there? What's, and as we age, we get these little aches and pains, and they just come in. And you can group all of this together, and at a time when we're dealing with some stresses, like stresses we've never dealt with before, anxiety really does become a factor. And when you sit and think, health anxiety can become a factor. Joining us right now is Dr. Maureen Whittle, who is the co-founder of Anxiety Canada and the co-chair of our Scientific Advisory Committee and a psychologist specialized in cognitive behavior therapy. And we're very lucky to have Dr. Whittle with us. Dr. Whittle, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the opportunity, Mike. Let's kind of go through what happens when you sit and think. How much of what we might term health anxiety is amplified by not really having a lot of else to do? Right. So it, it, I'll, I'll first say that it doesn't happen to everybody uh, that if you sit and think in, um, that you're going to come up with problems. Uh, um, but there, there has to be some sort of vulnerability to it. Uh, and But to your point, uh, you know, our current context uh, of the pandemic uh, has given people pause to think about how they are feeling. Am I feeling symptoms? Is this a scratchy throat? I just sneezed. Is that is this a sign of COVID? Uh, so that um, uh, it could be a, a little bit of what we would call a precipitating uh, event uh, that um, could um, predispose people to start to take what would be normal bodily sensations. As you said, as we get older, we get little aches and pains. Um, as I like to say, our bodies go bump in the night. Uh, <laughs> and a, a, a good amount of what happens to us is, is normal stuff. And that if we are not looking or on guard for it, it will just pass right underneath our radar. When we talk about health anxiety, how do we define that, Dr. Whittle? So, and the health anxiety, and, and it is the case with all anxiety problems uh, and all anxiety, they exist on a continuum uh, that um, from, uh, you know, just a little bit, and, and I think we all have anxiety at times, and we all worry uh, at times, and we all worry about our health at times. So it's it's not that we do it; it's the amount that we do it, and the amount that it interferes with our life. So, so how do you know when it becomes something that maybe you have to pay closer attention to? Like you say, the amount that we're doing it yeah, in yeah. our lives. 
Where's the threshold? Yeah, so if it starts to take up large swaths of your life, uh, if you are spending a lot of time looking online, which is a dangerous uh, thing to be doing, researching, going to Dr. Google to look uh, up symptoms, uh, or going to uh, repeatedly going to the doctor, or uh, talking about uh, aches and pains and getting reassurance from friends and family repeatedly, and it's causing strain in those relationships. That might be an example of when it has gone. Uh, it has gotten to the point of being interfering. We're talking with Dr. Maureen Whittall, who is the co-founder of Anxiety Canada, co-chair of the Scientific Advisory Committee, and a psychologist specializing in cognitive behavior therapy. Dr. Whittle, you mentioned Dr. Google and the inclination that many of us have where if you can't think of the name of an actor or actress or you can't think of a street name or whatever, you simply just write it into the search bar and you click return and boom, there it is. And if you're starting to wonder, okay, well, what about this? You can easily put that into the search bar and you click a button and, oh, here we go. What exactly is the danger of relying on something like Dr. Google? Yeah, so, so what happens and what people will often research are, are what we call nonspecific symptoms. Uh, I have a, a lump or I have a rash or my stomach is upset uh, and you, you put that in. Google will come back with all the, the uh, potential things that it could be or you could find all the potential things. Uh, that it could be. And often, and there are studies that show this, that Google will take people in very quick steps uh, to uh, outcomes that are very um, uh, upsetting and concerning and potentially fatal. When, uh, when you go to see a physician, he or she will go through a much more discerning set of questions to be able to factor that out. We're Google cannot do that. Exactly. And how easy is it to say, okay, I've, I've looked at this and Google's got all kinds of places it can send you or any search engines. The internet has all kinds of places it can send you to. Eventually you're going to match some symptoms, aren't you? Yes. I, I think you will, you will certainly find something. Uh, and you know, the, the other, just to add to my, my earlier answer, what I would suggest that people do is limit where you go. Go to reputable websites. Uh, to, um, and often what people end up doing is reading about somebody else's story. Well, I had a lump and this and this and this, and it turned out to be terrible. Um, and that heightens the probability in somebody's mind. Well, if it happened to that person, it could happen to me. We're talking right now with Dr. Maureen Whittle, co-founder of Anxiety Canada, co-chair of the Scientific Advisory Committee, and a psychologist specializing in cognitive behavior therapy. Dr. Whittle, what do you suggest people do if they find themselves maybe thinking too much about their health and feeling anxiety over it? Yeah. So, so really, the and and it's often the um, uh, the, the crux of, of uh, the the problem is um, getting people off of the idea that, that there is a uh, a physical health problem and that maybe this is anxiety, maybe this is 
fear of a health problem as opposed to a health problem. And this is where some of the materials like what are on Anxiety Canada uh, can be very helpful uh, to if you hear somebody uh, and, and what we have on the, part of what we have on the website are people's stories uh, and health anxiety would be included there. Uh, that somebody else's story, reading about uh, somebody else's um, uh, background and being able to resonate with part of that, I think, is, is powerful, which then also then can take people down that path of using evidence-based strategies of cognitive behavior therapy to uh, address the thoughts as well as the, the, the behaviors, the, the Googling, the reassurance seeking, the monitoring of your body. Good point. Because and how much of a process is that? I mean, you can you can certainly find that other people have been going through this, but how much of a process do you undertake to kind of relieve some of the urge to go to Dr. Google or to think something is instantly wrong when maybe it isn't? Yeah, it you know, it's not something that happens overnight, certainly. Uh, it, it starts with the recognition and, and the, um, okay, maybe this is a problem of anxiety as opposed to a problem of illness. Uh, and then being able to see and be aware of, uh, you know, so if I'm scanning my body, if I scan my body, I might be quite likely to find something. And then I'm going to want to go and look look it up if you can and through some of the uh our my anxiety plan some of our uh resources the the mind shift app that we have on the the website learning to engage and that there is a choice there you don't have to go to dr google you don't have to seek reassurance you can make a choice to do something else and this is Society Canada um, tools can help people access some of those choices. If somebody was looking to access some more information, where should they go? Well, um, in anxietycanada.com, uh, for sure, as a starting place. Uh, and uh, the there'll be some information on various types of anxiety, including health anxiety. Sometimes we'll, it'll also be referred to as illness anxiety. Um, and it's a very good starting spot. We really appreciate the time, Dr. Whittle. Thank you so much for talking about health anxiety with us this afternoon. Really happy to do so. Thank you. Keep safe. You too. That is Dr. Maureen Whittle, co-founder of Anxiety Canada and a psychologist specializing in cognitive behavior therapy. So, yeah, just, just those little things. How much is it? taking up in your life hopefully nothing you know hopefully it's just not even anything you think of and if that's the case then hey congratulations because sometimes you get thinking your mind gets going and one thing leads to another you've been listening to the london live podcast catch the show live on weekdays from one to three 